This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. Welcome to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I'm Chad the Impaler. Thank you for showing up this week. And we have, or this episode, I, I do that every episode. I do the exact same mistake. I will not re-record this. Um, this week we have, I just did it again. Ah, I'm terrible. Anyway, this episode, we have the Countess on. Who is the Countess? Um, someone I, I met off of Instagram who is a narcissist abuse survivor, and she is here to tell us her story. And if you can tell with a name like that, you're going to be uh, a fun person because uh, we don't always use our real names on the show. And uh, she was kind of like me in the sense that we use humor to cope. And it showed we got along pretty swimmingly. Uh, and uh, we had fun in, in our tragedy and sharing our stories. She has a very interesting story. Uh, you know, a nice wolf in uh, sheep's clothing type story. I'm sure a lot of you will re- resonate out there uh, with the Countess's story. I'm going to say the Countess as many times as possible. And now, without further ado, I'm just going to uh, get right into her story. Here you go. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. And with me, I have the Countess. How are you? Now you're laughing. <laughs> oh, God. How am I? Let me count the ways. I don't oh, know. <laughs> oh. was, that, was that a pun on purpose right there? Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, for everyone out there, uh, we, use, uh, we don't always use our real names because we have to protect ourselves. And uh, you're going to be telling a story for us today about uh, a narcissistic relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to be protecting the people who the Countess is talking about. But you wanted to be count- called the Countess today. I have no problem with that. I think it's, uh, you know, I want to have a fun environment, even though we're talking about some serious stuff. And all I know is today is a breath of fresh air. Uh, so, <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show. And I'm going to get out of your way now and just say, tell us everything. To start, oh. start from the beginning. <laughs> The beginning. Yes. I think it was a genetic material that was <laughs> passed on to me. I think it starts from there. <laughs> no, anyway, um, so I had just gotten out of um, a pretty terrible experience with the fella, and I had committed myself to one year I would not have any interests in the guys and the fellas. I was going to concentrate on my career and anything that would be a personal achievement. I needed some personal achievements behind me to, you know what I'm saying? To get me. I understand a hundred percent. Sometimes in my mind, I say, do you know what? Uh, I'm, I always say this, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start that, but I kind of want to do this first. And if I go into a relationship of some sort, I won't be able to do that. And I need this kind of there to be done. Is that what you're talking about? Yep, exactly. Okay, okay. Um, like I didn't want to share my life or any of my personal resources with anyone else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was going to be all for myself. And, um, 
So two weeks after I made that decision, <laughs> um, I get a message from the narcissist. Uh, I didn't know. I've known him since I was very young. About he's always been around, but I never got to know him. So, can you explain what does that mean that you've known him from very young? So, you've known this well, person your whole life. I was a teenager. Okay, so you went to uh, school with this person, or were they older than you? No, like I was part of this whole crowd that, like, you know, we'd go to clubs in the city and rave and like raves when we were real fifteen. We started it, <laughs> um, even though he's from my town. I would mostly see him in Manhattan. Okay. And then like our house parties and stuff through my life. And, and then I moved away from here for a while. And then I had come back a couple of years ago. So you obviously um, didn't know him that well. No. Okay. Um, but he was, he's distractingly attractive. So through the years, he'd always catch my eye for like a second. You know, like, I really go, gee, okay, you know, and then whatever, I didn't care. I mean, looks aren't that big of a deal to me, but I mean, if you see something beautiful, your eyes linger on it for a second, you know? And, um, so he messages me out of nowhere. He says, I think we have some things in common and I'd like to work on a project with you. He does like web stuff and tech stuff and I'm a... I do um, video and editing, and I do a lot of all different kinds of writing, freelance PR, um, my own writing. And uh, so we wanted to meet up. And it was very, you know, it was not threatening. It was actually, I can't believe I just made the decision to work on my career and it, what, in two weeks, I get an offer to collaborate on a professional project? Like, wow, <laughs> this is my time. Um, and so we met, and I know how to make myself unavailable. You know, like, to a, a, a guy, I know how to shut all, shut all of it down so they're not getting mixed signals, like with still being friendly and interested and all that kind of stuff. And he was very polite and respectful and enthusiastic. And we had a great time because we both love technology and technology used for creative purposes. And um, so it was great. And when he was leaving, he went to give me a hug. And... So, okay. And I swear to God, I thought he was trying to kiss me. But I was just like, oh, it was the first time we ever had a, um, you know, goodbye hug. So we our hugging styles just clashed. The next time, it will be less clumsy. So I tried to brush that off. How's that? Isn't that the worst? <laughs> What? Isn't a hugging class just the worst thing ever? It, it just comes, you, you leave. Usually when that happens, like I walk to my car, it's kind of like a dis, I feel disgraced. <laughs> oh, my denial kicked in so fast on that one. Oh, yeah. Who's ever heard of a clashing hugging <laughs> Oh my God, the things, the lies I can tell myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, he'd message me here and there. 
and trouble that week. And then we got together again. And I have really bad, um, I carry all my stress in my shoulders and my neck. And so without even realizing I'm doing it, kind of I'm stretching my neck or my shoulders or rubbing my neck. And I don't even notice it. Um, and yeah, is there something wrong with your neck or back? I was, and I said, just, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I just, you know, I've always had this. I get trigger point injections. I've seen a chiropractor. I guess I should get my, you know, just nothing. Oh, well, I'm a licensed massage therapist. I could give you a massage. Um, and, oh, yeah, that was the first time. And I was like, that idea just, like, blanked me out. And I was like, no, 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 sorry, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But then the next time we met, he, I was doing it again without even realizing it. And he asked again. And I had started to feel more comfortable with him because our interests and our enthusiasm and, and our ideas, like, bang, 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 they just shot off each other so, you know, it was just great. And we, he, we would just laugh. And um, I got comfortable with him. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. If, you know, he's a, this isn't just, like, some guy that's asking to give me a massage. He's a license. Yeah, who knows if that's even true? But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I, he, uh, he started to give me a massage every, within like 10 minutes, all that past people have of trauma that you have worked on and you have filed and put in compartments, you'll have it on lockdown, like, you know, high security lockdown and you've walked away. All of that, like, exploded in slow motion, like, it was okay that all that stuff was a part of me, and that finally, I could be all of me unapologetically, and also someone who has learned how to manage it. Do you understand what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do. Like, uh, just all, all of a sudden, everything that you felt was maybe wrong or shameful or things that happened in your past, trauma that you had, all of a sudden it was all, all right. And you were allowed to express that to someone and be you, a 100% total you. Correct? Yeah, but I didn't say it. Yes. I just felt it inside of me. And I just like my whole body like relaxed in a way that I don't think I've ever felt before. And that was that. I was screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a maybe a massage therapist. Was he uh, and he was worked in the field of technology. Was he a yoga guy? Absolutely. And was he yoga meditation? Um, did he work in the field uh, of that, or that kind of stuff, or or did he? How did he present himself? Like, he, was he vegan? <laughs> uh, he was vegetarian. He's yeah. vegetarian. Um, he he's all into like Hindu stuff and um, Sanskrit. Like, we were gonna have a Sanskrit renaming ceremony for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Isn't that funny? (laughs) He had the weirdest, funniest ideas. I just laughed all the time. He was like perfect for me Mm -hmm. in every way. I mean, a Sanskrit ring, that's hilarious. <laughs> do, you, do, you look, do you look back on it and uh, usually I'd wait probably an hour after we talked to say the look back, but do you look back on that and say to yourself, what was I thinking? Or do you still, or do you laugh about it? No, I still laugh about it because we made up this like ridiculous Sarah. I love to do creative ridiculous stuff it's my favorite thing to do and we had made up just out of the our own ridiculous minds what that ceremony would be consist of which what happened (laughs) you know now that i think about it i forgot but it was something like um anything that would be um what would you call it like, if you were going to have a, a theme for a birthday party that was, like, cowboys, yeah, you would celebrate it with Gun. maybe talking like a cowboy, but everybody is, um, like, oh, a, you, you got into full like character. Robot. You, got you, into, know you got into full character. Yes, yes. So, so <laughs> we're off on a little tangent here. Uh, I just want to know, I'm very just curious, uh, what is, in Sanskrit, what was your character? Like Cleo, like Cleopatra, what's up? Was like Cleopatra esque. Oh, I was yes, I was the I was some sort of goddess, you yeah. know, twin flame. <laughs> Isn't it? You know what so, I'm saying? So, so now you're you're a countess and you're a goddess. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean those things are like a serious joke, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> And that's why it's funny. <laughs> anyway, so um, wait, where did you ask me? Oh, uh, we were talking about him being a yogi, him, oh, be- right. him being kind of like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some, is it, was he, does he kind of come off as like an authority figure in a way or someone who was like... Oh, well, was, he was, does do like um, talks um, at like a spiritual types of venues like yoga studios or meditation places he does talks and um so he can he 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 presents himself as a spirit as someone who is a spiritually awoken uh type of individual who uh has found his path in life and he's there to help others and enlighten himself as well and be enlightened um or am I putting words into your mouth? I, I mean, I think that's how he sees himself. And he puts on that. Um, he does put. Yeah, but he didn't do it too much with me. That much with me. Um, because. I think he knew that I, I think, you know, it's my I say beware the woke. Um so he didn't do it that much with me, but I know he has always been that way. And like his, any social media, he presents himself as that and that alone. So things were going like on social, on social yeah. media. He does not break character when it comes to, to that, uh, 
guru yogi status. I love how you call him char- a character. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't break character. No. <laughs> so things were going well. The, the, your relationship started kind of after the awkward hug. <laughs> yes. And so after the awkward hug, uh, what happened? Oh my God. It was the best, most amazing two months of my entire life. We laughed day and night. If we were in a store, I'd be laughing so hard. I couldn't even stand up that he would have to like hold me up because I was laughing so hard. We laughed all the time. Every, every morning he brought me coffee and breakfast. Um, we both worked from home. So we'd be on our laptops working and drinking coffee and goofing around. And, um, we were always together. Um, and we had, talked about every everything and how just like people just come into our lives and and shatter any goals or any progress that we've ever made and we're always having to persevere and pull ourselves back up together we just had a bit of a oh oh, sorry are you there Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Continue that. We just had a little bit of a a pause there. So continue your thought wherever you were. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. And I was like, just in shock that someone wasn't full of shit. Sorry, I swore. (laughs) No, you're allowed to swear on here. I got no problem with that. Um, I couldn't believe that someone was trying so hard and wouldn't give up no matter what and still could maintain their goodness even though they've been brought down so many times. I was so shocked and I couldn't believe it. And I thought I was, this is it. This, this is my great reward. So are you, when, you, when you're saying things are brought down so many times, is that towards you or is that for him? Both of us. Okay. What was his story of things being brought down all the time that he would say? You know what? He wasn't very creative there. It was all the same thing. <laughs> every wife and every girlfriend was a drug addict, alcoholic, cheating, gold digger, um, crazy psychopath. Yeah, that, that. That's, that's an M.O., that's a, that's, that's, you know, what they always say. They always say like my crazy ex and then eventually, uh, you'll be one of them too. Oh, absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, I have definitely been, been defined by him. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I, I've done so much research in the past several months about this and like, I just, I don't, I could, I could care less what he says about, he just, after I learned all about this, any sense of a human being that I would, had seen in him just vacated him whatsoever. So he is irrelevant. What he says is irrelevant. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't care what he says about me. It's, so I, I, so I interrupted before and I apologize because you might have lost train of thought of which way you were going. So let's kind of uh, step back uh, after 
Where were I'm so I'm the worst. Oh, I'm the worst. Well, everything was the most glorious thing that yes. has, a person has ever experienced in their lifetime. Um, what happened? And then, okay, this is what happened. He started to do work out of the house freelance. So I would go home during the day and, um, or sometimes he would take me with him and I'd go to a coffee shop and work at the coffee shop. Um, I would hear from him. I can't wait to come get you. Um, I wish you whatever. I can't wait to get out of here. Um, and they started working more and more. He started texting less and less. He became very just distracted and not present. And which then increased to, I was not staying with him every night. A day here, a couple of days here, a couple of days here and there. And you go into, I, I call them time warps or wormholes. Um, he started to be four or five hours late to pick me up and wouldn't Ooh. tell me. Like, say, like, hey, I'm going to be late. I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, and it was confusing. And I asked, I was like, hey, well, is something wrong? Did something happen? You, you know, you're, you're, you've changed, like, stressed out. Something going on I don't know about. You can talk to me. Um, I can help you out with whatever you need. Um, you know, and then everything became vague. Everything, we talked about everything under the sun. He would describe his jobs and the people and what he had to do and act it out. Um, I didn't know anything about anything anymore. Um, When I wasn't around for two days, he, you know, normally he'd be like, oh, what have you been up to? Um, Oh, I did this, I did that, it was fun, or this sucked. No more information. And, um... I kind of didn't know what to do about it. So I didn't do anything because <laughs> I would ask nicely and just the vague, vague, vague. And, um, and then, uh, I found something in his bed that is only used primarily by the conventional in bed. And I kind of, the life drained out of me and I like went blank and I, and I, sh- I, I said, Hey, what's this here? And he looked at me straight in the face with like, I hadn't seen him use this face before or this voice. You planted that there. Oh, ah. I just shut down. I was like, I didn't, I mean, it was so insane that I don't, I didn't know whether to be mad that I found it. Was it open? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And it's not something that was a part of our life. And um, I didn't know if I was more upset about the potential of what this was or the fact that he said I planted it there. It was like 
you know, electric, you know, blew my mind. Because, because 100% you're sitting there, you know, that's not true because you didn't do it. And now all of a sudden, did you see him as a completely different human being right there? I got so confused. I don't even know who was running the show when it came to me anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I was on some sort of autopilot or... Do you, do you feel like your strings were being pulled by a puppet master at that point? Yes. I I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it because all there's a, a million other things that were going on that were making me question my relationship with reality. Such as all these just well, it was these time warps and just like basic decency that you treat someone with in a relationship. It wasn't, it, there was no malicious or violent things he was doing. It was just these like things that made me think twice about my relationship with reality, really, like, is it too much to ask to for someone to let me know you're going to be late? So I can, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. See, like, uh, even now, I don't know. Like, no, well, the one thing that I guess is common with everyone in these situations is all of a sudden you start to think that you're the one going crazy. You start thinking... um well, maybe I might, maybe I am overreacting to this. Maybe uh, this isn't a big deal as I'm making it out to be, and things like uh, that. In in the sense of uh, stuff with time, um, the timing. It's weird about time. Um, the timing on your end, where you're finding it weird and you're questioning it, on his end, uh, it's probably perfectly timed, if that makes sense. Well, I read something. I got to stop reading now. I, 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 <laughs> it's like I WebMD and you're, what? it's like WebMD and you're looking up like, uh, if you, yeah. Yeah, you have a cough, it's the worst yeah. thing to look at. Yeah. Cause when I'm reading this stuff, I mean, he, it, he is, what he has done is as if it was so by the book, it's as if he was got a role in a movie to play a narcissist and he's preparing for it by method acting. Like, that's how precise he is. It's weird. And so, like, it, I just, I, it just blew my mind. Like, this whole thing blows my mind. Um, yeah, the whole questioning of what we had before as respect, affection, love, all those things that be, were, became normal between us. Now I had to ask why why they're not happening and then why the basic decency ones are being taken away from me. But the thing is, if I would nicely say something like, just shoot me a text, let me know. Cause his kids would text and call me and be like at 11 o'clock at night and be uh, like, so he had, he had children. Yeah. Teenagers. Okay. Yeah. And they would text me. Do you know where he is? Are you with him? Do you know when he'll be home? 
And that made me really uncomfortable. I lo- God, I love those kids. Um, because I didn't. I didn't have an answer for them. And I would just be like, oh, I'm sure he's on his way home soon. That's a long day, you know, a long work day. I'm sure he'll be there anytime. Don't worry about it. But it made me really uncomfortable. And um, I was like, listen, I love your kids. And it, when I don't have answers for them, when they're worried about where you are, it makes me really uncomfortable. So you just let me know. So at least I can tell them. And um, I'm toxic. Oh, then you're a toxic person. Yes. Yeah. And oh, so continue. Yeah. Um, or if I would say, um, just think, I don't, God, just the most normal things. I don't even know what to think. I can't remember. They were so subtle. But anything I ask, like, hey, listen. Can you give, just think about this. Like you used to like be really respectful and keep me informed and let me know what's going on. Um, I don't know what happened, but let's, can you try to go back to that? I'm toxic. He's too stressed to deal with me. He's got this to deal with. He's got that to deal with. And that surely is not the most important thing he needs to be thinking about right now. So that voice that he used, all of a sudden, it went from you never heard that voice uh, before to, mm. to that voice, and that voice probably maybe gives you chills now when you think about it. Um, all of a sudden now, he's a completely different human being. How long does it take you to realize uh, what's kind of going on, uh, that he is a narcissist? And do you think that he even knows what he's doing or is it like this just thing that he does? I don't, he is not, he, he is so arrogant and superior and looks down his nose. Did you know that before? No, I was put on a pedestal. I was an example of it. Pure beauty and light, man. <laughs> <laughs> but did you ever see him act that way to other people before? No, because no. Um, I, like I said, it, I, I never spent time with him previous to this. And we never spent time with anyone when we were together. Uh, okay, so you were carpent- uh, sorry, compartmentalized as well, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there were all the... Um, Millions of different kinds of alerts. He has four phones and four phone numbers. He has like a billion email addresses. Um, so there were beeps and dings and buzzes going on all night. And I'd be, I'd say, what is, uh, what's going on? What's the, all these noises? Uh, apparently, um, his phone, the alarm, um, was malfunctioning. And would go off on its own. And he had to go to to get fixed. So one of the noises was a alarm that just would go off all through the night. Sporadically. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then another one was... He had his, I guess, the dings from all his different business email accounts. Apparently, professionals were emailing him at 2, 3 in the morning five times in six minutes, (laughs) 
right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just getting, oh my God. So then there was Christmas, which I had Christmas dinner with my family, or Christmas Eve dinner with my family. He said he needed to pick me up before that. I've had Christmas dinner. It's a tradition. We have a formal Christmas dinner, New, uh, Christmas Eve, since I was born. Uh, and he needed to pick me up at 730. I said, I'm sorry. I've been, I have the dinner. I told you this is what I do every Christmas Eve. I told you last week. And um, I said, I'll be ready by 10. And uh, he said, um, it was furious. It didn't fit into, he would say this to me. I can't remember what that phrase was. My life's, uh, not lifestyle, just something weird. Like he talked in these like weird, you know, with all that new agey talk and self-help talk. Um, Something, you know, very, oh, and I was always a threat to his well-being and him being able to shine. (laughs) Okay. Right? (laughs) Just because I would gently approach an issue like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were times where I, at the end, where I started to just be like, what are you doing? I can't. You cannot see that this is just our, like, I don't have words for what you're doing. If I ever had a problem, he would get to, you know, like, in a relationship, it's like, oh, my God, I'm struggling with this issue. Um, and you want to talk about it. He had too much to do and too much on his mind that was far more important than what was bothering me. And to come to him with a problem was pretty much an insult to him because it was such a burden. And, um, so Christmas, Christmas was, um, so he yelled and screamed at me because 10 wasn't good enough. It got in the way of his life's vision or something. Wait, and he t- wasn't doing it. 10 p.m.? Yeah. Wasn't good enough. No, he had to do, he had to pick me up at 7.30. Okay. Before my family's formal Christmas Eve dinner, which I told him about. No, oh, for, first of all, no one has anything to do but family stuff uh, at 7.30 on the 24th of December. Everything is shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And so. He, okay. And that caused him a disgust and a rage that it was unbelievable. Like so many times I was just speechless. Like I didn't know what to say. I was like, I used to stutter when I was young. My stuttering started to come back because I just, I had no idea. And so um, he, he refused. All he needed to do was wrap presents and organize for Christmas morning, and I was so excited to do that, but I, w- I wasn't allowed to anymore because I had to be, I couldn't go at 7.30. Um, he had no time-based obligations that night at all. So we didn't even have Christmas. I didn't get to hang out with him for Christmas. Um, and uh, New Year's, same kind of thing, was insane. Um, and then, and then this, this started to be like week and two week long, no, um, that I wouldn't see him. 
it's also confusing. Like so much happened. It sounds like he was driving you just to the point where you were going crazy and just really, not just confusing, but just like you started to maybe even go crazy thinking about, are you going crazy? Like, is this really happening and questioning reality? Really? Yes, exactly. Like I started everything that I knew as as normal, as showing respect, showing love as an action. Um, Just because something you said, like maybe like uh, three minutes ago, um, where it just sounded like you didn't even have control over what you were allowed to feel anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, that's how it kind of sounded to me that all of a sudden you're in this and you didn't know if like 7.30s rolled around. You had no control over the 7.30. Nothing in your life seemed to be in control. It was at the control of this guy who was pushing you and pulling you and pushing you and pulling you. And it just sounded like there was a loss of control within yourself. And that must have been, I guess, when you realized that maybe that was going on, probably a lot of, would you feel shame about that ever happening? And like, uh, that you let that happen? Not that you let that happen, but. I, it was just so insane, like bad behavior. You, you, you know, you say, I, you know what? Your behavior is insulting. It makes me miserable. I got to go. This was a level of beyond bad behavior that I couldn't even process. Like, I was, seriously, my stuttering came back. I didn't know what to say anymore. Or, and then I would get mad and I'd be like, I do not know where you think it's appropriate to behave this way. And then I would be scolded like a child. I was toxic. Um, I was talked down to, um, and my friend saw how I, I I stayed with my friend for a couple of days and she was like, she's a narcissist. And I was like, what? I I knew what the definition of a narcissist was, but I had never known how it would manifest itself within a romantic relationship. So there's endless YouTube videos people have about narcissism, all the different kinds. And um, she put one on for me. And like I said, it was like, there was nothing original about this narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Once you started hearing like, oh my God, you just started checking lists. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. And oh, all, okay. all these like, Feelings I had that didn't even have words for. There was no language for how I felt about this. But it was disturbing, to say the least. This woman explained that, because she talked about her relationship with the narcissist. She was putting words and language to how my experience, and it was funny, because my experience it's not original either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> weird. This is weird stuff. And um, that's when I started to think, 
be able to, I kind of, from that, even though it was overwhelming, a little bit of my thinking returned just enough to start to build up myself again, who I am again, what I think is right and wrong, what I think is acceptable, which is actually just really basic, happy, normal stuff. And, um, and then that's when he really just was doing, would just vanish or, and then scold. And, and I said, I can't, I, I can't take this anymore. I said, this is, I, this, nothing is worked here. And, um, so that's it. But then he kept e- he like emailing me. So did, when I told so, him, so you did an official breakup and then he kept on emailing you? Yeah, he okay. wasn't he wasn't having anything to do with me for like a week or two weeks. But he didn't break up, but he wasn't broken. He didn't end it. As soon as I said it was done, I got a lot of emails every day. That were just, they were blaming, they were nonsense, everything was my fault, you need to take a look at yourself, da, da, da. And this is where I was ridiculous, because I was trying to, to reason with him, um, and be like, I, I can't do it because of all the, these things. And um, about two weeks after I had told him it was done, he broke up with me. <laughs> Wait, so he broke up with you after you already broke up with him? Yes. It was that, it, it, how did that feel? Were you laughing? I, yes. And, but is that what he told all of his friends probably, that he was the one that broke up with you? He doesn't have any friends. Oh, he didn't have any friends? Yeah. I mean, he has a bunch of um, girls that all over the, you know, all over the country that he messages with. And um, he has a couple of guy friends out of state, but he has no, like, in-town hangout guy friends. So after it was officially over on uh, his end, uh, not just your end, how long did it take for you to unpack what happened and, like, really think about... Like, how, how long were you together with him? All of this damage happened in just under a year. That's all it takes. It takes less than that. But the, how psychologically, when you thought about it after, like, was it a giant mind fuck? I don't want to give him any credit for anything. But this is a master mindfuck. He's the guru of mindfuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, even when it's over, in my experience, you still don't know what was real. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, were any moments, any moments real? Did you live in an alternative reality for a whole, almost a whole entire year. And at the end of it, in my experience, I had to say, yes, I did. 
And that was the most confusing part of everything. I got to tell you, I, it, it brought me to a real bad place where it was affecting my daily life. Um, cause I thought this was the first time I had been in love and, um, I had read in, you know, I'd been doing some reading about this and it said the beginning, I, that's when I learned about love bombing and that person is a illusion and it's a, um, what you experience that I guess there's the devaluation yeah. discard. That's the true person. The love bombing person was the illusion. And that was very, very painful to take little mind steps towards accepting that. Yeah. That, that that's the hardest thing that the part that uh you attached to them with um was the fake part and to like that's the most hurtful uh part of it like the actual devaluing or whatever is one thing but the part where i mean you're defrauded in every way he was so perfect in every way i used to call him my God among men, like he was beautiful, he was hilarious, he was so affectionate and goofy and hilarious. And I love that it's so mean to do, it's the meanest thing you can do to someone is be a fraud and their heart scam you like in your heart in your minds in your soul you know that was really really took me down seriously Mm -hmm. for a little bit and um how did you cope with that um chain smoking and rocking in the corner Sounds like great times. <laughs> so, no, what I did, whenever I'm faced with something that I don't understand, I just researched the living hell out of it. So I researched all this, and um, it's a real thing. He did it by the book. My reactions and feelings towards it were exactly by the book. This is just, uh, you know, case closed, mystery solved. Um well, let me tell you, I had started to get, you know, a handle on that and um, started pulling it together. What is it called? Is it hovering? Hoovering. Hoovering? Okay. So it was like a week ago. Email. I miss you. And think about you all the time. And my heart soared and I smiled and tears came into my eyes. That was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, tears of uh, joy that he's, what was your, what was it for? Like hope, like, oh my God, maybe he. Oh. Pretend, they're, if he's telling me this, 
if he can reduce himself to admitting that he still misses and thinks about someone as you know low on his list of priorities and someone who is threatening his well-being something then there really must be something there <laughs> and so i loaded that one sentence up with insanity and um i answered him back and he was being so flurry and so charming and Oh, so I was love bombed. Like it was like a little mini, you know, when you bomb a city out in like five minutes and, um, and then he just, and then it seemed that it was like the whole entire relationship ha- happening again within two weeks. Um, and then, so we, we were going to meet for coffee, but he wasn't sure when he'd let me know. And then he just wasn't emailing. And then, you know, I was like, you know, what are you doing? Are you doing this again? Like, and it was just how busy. I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. And then I got this long shaming email. Oh, you haven't changed. You're this, you're that. And and that last email, um, I was like three days ago. And just as. Sure, as that two weeks were like reliving the entire relationship in two weeks, I had to get upset, get heartbroken, hate myself, question reality, and pull myself together in a couple of days. <laughs> so the recovery was equal to the two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm still like a little bit affected by it and I can't believe I bought into it but and I read about it I you know I said that this stage would happen and like a kid when you tell him not to touch the stove because it's hot but the kid does it anyway that's just my personality my entire life you tell me this is why I shouldn't do something I and I do it because I mean how are you going to know not to touch a stove ever again if you don't know why from personal experience, you know? Um, so, yeah, I exposed myself to that. And so, I'm a, like I said, I'm a little affected by that. Um, I don't even know what the words are that describe the way. And I'm just trying to shake it off, you know? I'm just trying to. Just like I said, like this is so basic, 101 devastating techniques of a narcissist that I'm telling myself, how can you dwell on something or quest, have any more questions? Why, God, why? You know, that's a waste of my time. It is what it is. Do you, do you have, uh, I get, is there, a, do you, I know you say it's a waste of your time, but do you have any sort of a PST, PTSD about it in the kind of way? Like you have a weird flash of something good or something bad, uh, that sometimes you go to all the time. I have, I was diagnosed with, um, PTSD many years ago. And, um, and then, you know, there's the PTSD 
current upgrade, which is complex PTSD. So I was upgraded to that. (laughs) So I already had that diagnosis. Um, A CPTSD. Is that for Countess PTSD? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had had to throw that in there. That's really funny. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) Um, So... Like I said, I hate to give him credit for being the guru of mind fucking. And I don't want to give him any credit for causing me any symptoms of PTSD. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you, when you don't want to give him like, that power. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't. Um, how, but yeah, of course, yeah, sorry. absolutely. Like he broke me. But I pulled myself together many times and. A narcissist is not going to be the one taking me out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, not everyone is, yeah. as, as, uh, you know, a lot of people out there who uh, might have grown up with narcissistic families. Uh, they, you know, they have a hard time like, once they encounter another narcissist in their life. Uh, it's kind of like a, a lifelong thing. And, and it it's not the narcissist uh, relationship that brings them down. It's kind of like the whole entire lifelong process but for people that have just never came from a narcissistic background and uh ended up in a relationship with a narcissist uh it's tough to come back from and uh it sounds like you're a lot you're you're doing pretty well in the sense of your strength of being resilient uh towards it like how how, what are kind of the coping mechanisms that you might do use if any to help some Um people out like I said, I educate myself mm-hmm. because when I found out how one on one he was and how one on one I was, there was not like I said, there was nothing original about his role and how I responded to it. Um, was it shocking to you that you read a book, not a book, but you were on YouTube and someone described you to a T? I thought what I was feeling. Like that I was like all of the things bad that have happened to me that have warped my authenticity or genuine um, instincts of being fun and respectful and caring and helpful um, that I was losing my mind. Um, I thought it was unique in the own, um, you know, fragile structure of my own mind. It wasn't. It was totally dead on. You're just like, I'm just like everyone else. I thought I I thought I was special. (laughs) I I like to be, um, original, but I'm glad I, I'm glad that, um. Have you ever taken an Enneagram test? What's that? Uh, so there's things like the Myers-Briggs test, which are like personality tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Enneagram, uh, which I, uh, I've taken and I am a big fan of, uh, it is a test where it, it believes in uh, nine different types. Uh, and then each type has nine levels of health. So, uh, you can, if, once you find out what your type is, you can then go look at it and say, okay, when I'm a healthy person, this is exactly how I act. 
when mm-hmm. I'm an unhealthy person, oh yeah, this is exactly how I act. And when I'm a Ooh. super healthy, this is how I act. So it can then break you down from, you know, when I'm in, uh, I'm, and then each, uh, each level or each nine things has a subtype, um, two subtypes. So you can then be like a subtype of your, of your type, but the regular type will give you uh, the gist of what you are. So like when I was an addict, um, in like in the throes of addiction and, and just being, you know, barely could swim above water and mm. you looked at my type and I was a six, I was called the loyalist. Um, I, I was just like bare bones could barely take care of myself. And it had me to a T it knew exactly what I was dealing with and how I was coping. And then, uh, eventually as I got healthier, I, most people are in the mid range and then there's uh, the really healthy. I don't think I've ever been in the real healthy. Uh, and if I have been, it was fake. <laughs> I was faking yeah. it, yeah. Uh, which really means I was down on the bottom, but I didn't realize it. Right. Um, I'm sure you have to go through that. Uh, yeah, you can take a, t- a free test online. It's not as thorough as the pay test, but take the free test. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really get a sense of uh, your... Per- and that might also scare you a little bit, because that's why I brought it up. Because you'll be like, Wow. This no, thing, I love that kind of stuff. This thing knows me like better yeah. than I do. I would, I would love, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, my subtype is called the buddy. They say the, t- buddy? the, the buddy. Oh, I mean, that's so cute. <laughs> uh, no, the buddy. I'm the guy that you'll hang around with who will never. Who I'm an enabler, and whoever I hang around with, I could become kind of like a comedian. I can do whatever you want. I'll drop whatever. I'll do this, I'll do that, and I help people, um, and I'm loyal to people, but to my own detriment. Absolutely, I, I like I nourish I nourish people until they destroy me, and I'm nothing left. Yeah, so we might be the same. We could be the same. It's possible. I'm totally going to do that after this. <laughs> so <laughs> go to the AnneagramInstitute.com. You can take the test there, everyone. And no, they do not sponsor this podcast, but they should. They should. Yeah. Um, so before, I guess, do, do you have any more uh, to add or anything that happened uh, with you? Well, or? I, I just, I, I want to make sure that it, I'm, I, you know, laughing at stuff and making fun of myself and making fun of the situation is how I, it helps me. Um, I, um, you know, putting it in like a, a timeline narrative story that's funny is like, it helps me. Um, and I mean, I'm not, don't get me wrong. Some days are really bad or there's a couple hours that are really bad where I'm just really sad and I feel so stupid and it, it hits really hard. Um, but like I said, there's just, like I said, I'm not going to let this, this, this particular guy is not the one that's taking me out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't know, not, it's not competitive or, but you set your mind to what you want to be in the situation and you do everything you can to get there and be that person but you're gonna not, you're gonna fall back from it, you know. 
and you just got to keep trying. It's not easy. It sucks. I'm, but I'm doing, I'm educated. I've educated myself. I'm laughing at myself. I did this, which was like the best way to put it in, to laugh and make fun of myself and put it into a story format, kind of wrap it up, you know, like let's wrap this whole thing up. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not as easy as I'm making it sound, but that's what I do. Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot of work and you know, uh, you talking and, and telling your story, it just, it gives, I have flashbacks of, you know, my, in, in a way, my recovery of my situation. I just remember sometimes wa- I know the exact streets I was walking down and I'd be walking to uh, work and I would be in a relatively good mood and then that thing would pop into my head and it, I, it was like I was walking down the street and it threw me back two blocks and then I don't even and then I don't even remember the rest of the walk to work. And yes, it's like um, if you're sober and something triggers you in your sobriety and you start romanticizing your drink or drug of choice to the point where you're on the edge, you're right, you know, where you need to ask for help. Yeah, Yeah, it's like you're in the throes of addiction. Yes, it is. And, um, it's hard to quit it. And it's, you have that running through your vein. I've been an addict. Uh, well, an addict is always an addict. Um, so I know the feel it's, it's, it's in your veins. And when you have the cravings, the cravings are there, you can't get rid of them. And sometimes you do, uh, what's best is some, you know, when I, for me, when I started coping, you know, uh, I was trying to get, stay off of drugs and then this brought me back for, <laughs> further into doing it right. when, when those things would happen and I'd have to find my way back. And for me to finally put a rest to everything, um, I had to become completely sober because that became part of how I would feel that person is when I wasn't as well. It started becoming uh, a, a cycle. Hopefully that doesn't I'm, happen with you. The more you need, the more you need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what was, I just thought, oh yeah. So that was the hardest part was, um, just sitting there and just torturing myself with the beautiful, amazing, hilarious, fun, just like, you know, doing one of those like montage, (laughs) uh, romantic montage breakup videos of, (laughs) in my head of all the wonderful, hilarious stuff that, it was in the beginning and um, I was romanticizing that and I kept breaking my own heart. I was breaking my own heart at that point mm-hmm. and I had to stop doing it. And like I said, all the research I did, I was all a cart picking and choosing what I was reading that would help me the most. And it was the person in the beginning, the love bombing was an illusion. So I focus on that and um, the, um, the fact that the narcissist, like I am, I struggle also with, I'm not, it wasn't personal. The narcissist doesn't really know you're just whatever their supply. I wasn't anything to him. Uh, there was, so first it made me angry. I wasn't special. 
but then it helps to think it wasn't, there was nothing, I'm not fatally flawed. It's, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just tried. In in a way, it was was nothing personal to you. It had nothing to do with you. It had all to do with them and what they needed. You were just the person that was chosen. And that made you feel better. Yes. And the fact that I never experienced this before. um, So I'm not that stupid because I was uneducated on this type of personality and what to expect. If I did it again, then we'd have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) So are you staying away from relationships for a while? Yeah, but whenever I, whenever it's like, I'd like to be in a relationship, you know, (laughs) you know, the moths floating around Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, whenever I swear a year, some son of a bitch shows up. In my inbox or something, it presents me with some sort of very neutral, lovely sounding invitation. And then there I go. Uh, <laughs> but no, narciss- this is the first narcissist. But um, yeah, I don't want to be involved with anyone right now because um, I need to get my footing back on who I am and what I believe and what is right and wrong. You know, I need a firm, I need to really know what that is again before I can, I mean, I really see now how much care and respect, authenticity and genuineness is really needed if you want to have a real relationship. Um, There's all different kinds of relationships, but... Yeah, I I am not ready or right to mm-hmm. pursue anything right now uh, with well, anyone. It wouldn't be fair to them. And as soon as someone starts doing something nice for you, are you gonna be like, hold on one second? Are you gonna are you want to you don't want to be there at that point? You want to be able to enjoy it and not question someone? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I just I have a guy friend. He made me breakfast the other week. I started crying. <laughs> because he just reminded you? No, because he had no agenda. Oh, okay. He's my friend. Mm-hmm. And like it was painful and I felt so guilty that I and I that I didn't deserve someone to make me breakfast. I don't know, it was weird and I was like, wow, I'm messed up. <laughs> <laughs> well Oh. Um so you just don't feel right now you feel unworthy in yeah. a way. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. But you know, that's not true though, or you still believe that in a way. No, I'm, he messed with my head Yeah. to the point where I was messing with my head too. And I'm not, fully recovered from questioning my actions and if they're right or wrong or if I have an agenda 
or and I don't really I haven't really been talking to many people as much as I used to um, because I'm like really focused on a, what what is this for what does this mean who what are they gonna benefit from this um, I'm not ready to be happy because if I feel happy it hurts have you been going to therapy? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, what does your therapist say? Um, God, uh, she's—I guess she's just been really positive about. Um, she knows what I've been through and what I've come gotten over. She's like, Jealous is going to be like easier than you think." Countess, um, Countess, not your other name. <laughs> she says the countess <laughs> sorry you, you know that you um you uh you're gonna this is gonna be easier than you think and um we i do yeah it's emdr emdr therapy for ptsd uh, you know what that is no i don't you should look it up um i i can't remember it's a or look it up. It's like EMDR or EDMR. Okay, I'll therapy. look it up while we're doing this. Hold on. Continue. And, um, I mean, if I want to get better, I just have to do all the things that I'm supposed to do. If I don't want to get better, we all know how to do that. <laughs> I have just read what EMDR is, mm-hmm. and I've read it. And I still don't understand it, so I will not even say it out loud. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing? Yeah. No idea. Just basically, um, long story short, you either hold these paddles that vibrate, and they tell you to think of something bad, and you think about it, and then they say, think of something like good. or, um, And so... Like, I've done, um, what is that, guided meditation, mm-hmm. and um, that has been effective with me, but I still, in my mind, can be thinking, while I'm listening to the guided meditation, negative thoughts. Oh, okay. Because EMDR, it's like, you're too, you, you since you're feeling a sensation, and meditating on feelings um you don't you can't multitask enough to have the negative voice present like you're too occupied so and it cuts to the chase you know talk there or talk therapy can be um 15 years long being around the bush lying to yourself you know you get nowhere i've been there yeah (laughs) (laughs) But um, this particular kind of therapy, it's like it cuts to the chase. Like after you do the um, either the eye movement or the vibrations, you have gotten to the core of the issue without any bullshit or veils or armor or masking or sleight of hand. And you, you talk about it for real. Yeah, I have I have been to therapy, and I've also seen um, two different coaches for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I went to one coach, 
and I don't know what any what I don't care what anyone thinks of life coaches. I went to a real pro, and the question or the questions this this guy and this guy had a lot of experience were so daggering of hitting the exact spot. Like he, you could just observe me and hit the exact spots that it forced me to answer the questions I was most uncomfortable with. Whereas in therapy, I could dance around those questions if I wanted to. And exactly. Like my therapy sessions basically are stand up comedy if we're not doing the DR thing. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, you can go to therapy and dance around what you really need to uh, work on, especially if you get complacent while you're there. Um, or sometimes there's other, other uh, avenues to go within therapy or within that kind of field where you can find someone, uh, but you really want to have to do the work. To, to answer the, the toughest questions and deal with the darkest of things and the toughest things you have to do, like uh, some certain uh, motive, not motivation, but mobilization, maybe involve cutting certain people in things out of your lives um, and real, really changing in how you uh, act or react in certain ways or how you deal with people. And I found in regular therapy, I could dance around that. I, could, I just can complain the whole entire time. And my therapist would say, uh, it would give me empathy. And sometimes you have to go to these other extreme or, or extreme routes. And you've gone to this new type of therapy where it seems like it's going to, you have to deal with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I also, you know, you asked me, I forgot about this part. You asked me, um, how it is to try to get over it. And, um, I had um, gone to my doctor a couple days ago because I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, but it went away for a while. And recently, my body started hurting so bad again and the fatigue. And um, so I made an appointment with him. And he basically told me that... uh, since I had early childhood and, and traumas peppered throughout my life, um, he said, um, I, the body pain is because, um, when I don't, sometimes I'm get afraid to sleep because I can't be vulnerable. And so when you don't sleep, that causes your body to hurt. And, um, he said, your pain is coming from your fear of sleeping or just because of your traumas so he did on a physiological level um get me there have you ever gone to someone who does like somatic uh therapy somatic kind of life experience and and trying to understand your body problems uh your problems through uh how you carry your body and certain things like that no i'd love to do that it's uh, it's i've had i've had one breakthrough with that which is actually it was pretty traumatic not traumatic. It, it, it made a lot of sense um, about how I could never relax. It had a lot to do with like body issues. And one day we just started discussing uh, how I should just let myself be fat. And uh, all of a sudden we worked on being, letting myself be relaxed by being as fat as possible. 
And once I was comfortable with being fat in my mind, I was able to breathe and actually able to relax. Metaphorically fat? Like how much? Oh, no, because uh, I carried my body my whole entire life to look a certain way. And I wasn't letting my body be in a natural position. I thought it was always in a natural position. But since I was young, I've always uh, had body issues. Everyone in my family has been uh, mentally <laughs> put into that uh, kind of uh, way. And we all carry ourselves uh, in a way to look as thin as possible. And our posture and everything had changed. And had, that would became our normal posture, but it wasn't natural. And wow. It took, it took a lot to like get to the point where get your, if I'm able to cure my posture, I might finally be able to relax. That's amazing. Cause I forget to breathe. And so it, I, sorry. I, I forget to <laughs> stop breathing. And then all of a sudden I'm like gasping for air. I didn't realize I was holding my breath. And I also too, when things are not good in my life, I'm so clenched up. That, you know, that's what causes the back and the neck issues being all clenched up um, and not breathing and just doing, not sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I can't be vulnerable. Like I always have to be ready, you know, Um, because what you're telling me, yes, I want to look into that too. That sounds amazing. And it, it was effective for you. Uh, yeah, it really helped me relax. And then if I found myself in situations where, I wasn't, uh, I found myself back into those old patterns and situations. I just then again, start off and be like, check what's going on. Um, how, what is your posture? What is kind of going on? It would get me back into a flow of, uh, breathing and, uh, being my natural, uh, self. That's great. I mean, I'm so glad you're able to achieve that because, um, I, Oh, I think we just stopped. We broke up. Sorry, we are kind of breaking up. Go back for one second. No, I'm just saying I'm so happy that was effective for you because, I I mean, if I had, if I was able to breathe without thinking about it and if I was able to have my body. I think we broke up right there again. Are you there? Hello? The Countess. Hello. She's back. All right, everyone, we're back. For how long? I don't know. I, I, I have a codependent anonymous meeting to get to later. I'll make it. And it's not that anonymous anymore, is it? <laughs> oh man. Um, I forgot we, we were talking. I forgot what we were talking about. It's been so long. I missed oh, you. I know. <laughs> uh, do you know what? Um. I had to take a Xanax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I always I always cope with making jokes of certain things because that's what that's how I cope with things, and it seems you're the mm-hmm. same way. So, yeah. Um, there was one thing when you were talking about earlier. I kind of wanted to make a joke, but I didn't do it. But I'm still going to do it. Uh, you got it. So when you were talking about how you were reliving all of the great times, uh, like all like the early parts and everything. And like all the fun dates and everything you went on. The only mm-hmm. thing that went through my mind, besides empathy, yeah, people, I do have feelings, um, <laughs> was when in, in The Naked Gun, uh, when like Frank Drebin and Priscilla Presley 
uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, are just going around having fun around town and just how much fun they had. And for some reason, to me, it's always like uh, the moment where they walk out of the movie Platoon and they're laughing hysterically. <laughs> and to me, right when you said like all the great times, that's what I pictured. You two laughing, coming out of the movie Platoon. Am I far that, off? That is so funny. That's and, really funny. and for those that are too young uh, who are listening to this, Platoon was a great movie about the Vietnam War starring Charlie Sheen, everyone. Mm-hmm. Only movie, one of the only movies that makes me cry is the ending of Platoon. That's the, one of the only movies that makes me cry. With William Dafoe. Mm-hmm. When he's like on his knees. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's wonderful. My God, that really is just awful. <laughs> I, I, okay, I, <laughs> speaking of platoon, um, what I actually went for a massage once I'm bringing this full circle. I'm bringing a massage into the story. And I was at a hotel in New York and I had never had one of those like deep tissue massages. Oh my God. So I went for one and I didn't want to be like, say like, Oh my God, this is this tremendous amount of pain. I didn't want to be that guy being like, Oh, I asked for this. So oh. I dealt with all of the pain, but the the music that was playing, because uh, I know my, I, I love the movies and I know all my movie soundtracks. Uh, the mm-hmm. mo- the music that was playing was the theme music to Platoon, like the whole entire <laughs> time. Like it was like the soundtrack. So like for me, oh. it was like I'm living my death on this on this table. This lady just destroyed. Like really, I wanted to cry. That's how much it hurt. But I would like tough it out. I felt like William Defoe getting shot kind of at the end. But boot camp massage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, boot camp massage. This is a narcissist podcast, and we talk about massage. Um, <laughs> so that's how he got me. He got me with technology <laughs> and mas- massage. <laughs> so I'm going to keep my eye out for anybody who tries to offer me you know, collaborative efforts in technology and then wants to massage me. I'll like go out of like a that's like, nervous. That's like down. nine. That's like 99% of society. <laughs> I'll punch someone dead in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, I guess we should, you know, we've gone, we've gone, a, we've gone a long time here. Uh, okay. we got to close, let's close this out. Is anything you want to tell everyone out there? Anything? Um, beware the woke. Um, and if you find out one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm sleeping next to a narcissist, um, you'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> be, educated, be educated. Educate yourself about it. And don't let it be this kind of be everything that ever happened to you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Separate don't, that experience. Don't let it be your identity. <laughs> yeah. Don't, separate it. That's a new experience. Deal with that as, you know what I mean? And hel- I, I, help others that have, are going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like just really, really do everything you can to get your footing back into your self. Okay. Well, sorry, yeah. Well, Countess, it's been a pleasure. 
Okay. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, thank for, you for the work that you do. This is great. I hope I was helpful in any way. This know. isn't work. This is fun. <laughs> so uh, thank you for showing up and for everyone uh, who's uh, listening to this. Uh, hopefully you learned a lot from uh, the characters because I did. Because the best, the, my favorite part, I'm like 12 years old now. My favorite part. Uh, the way how you were describing things and verbalizing uh, your experience was some things that I actually have never been able to verbalize before. So for me, that was nice to hear and it helped me a lot. And hopefully, yeah, it really does. Being able to verbalize um, emotions that you don't know or feelings. Because, you know, in my mind, because some of us don't have, uh, sometimes you need vocabulary or great vocabulary to do certain things or to to be able to get it, get it out. And uh, for me, you know, sometimes I have a good vocabulary in some ways, in some ways I don't for the feelings that I need. And for others out there that might not have that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you doing that is very helpful for everyone. So thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, that's it, everyone. Uh, Have a great day. And I'm sure after I'm saying this right now, I'll have another message for you of a recording to say goodbye, if that (laughs) makes sense. So uh, good night. And that was the Countess's story. I thought it was a very interesting story, very useful story for everyone to hear. I think I'm repeating myself from the end of the her specific podcast uh, when we recorded it, but I don't care. That's what I do. It's my job to screw up and uh, let all my failures be shown to everyone because failure is good. Makes you learn. Anyway, enough about that. Um. Thanks for showing up this week. Uh, And just again, to remind everyone, leaving uh, this podcast some nice five-star reviews and nice uh, nice actual written reviews uh, helps a lot uh, for this podcast to move up the rankings and get more people to listen. Hopefully we help you out uh, out there uh, by sharing these stories and some other stuff that we're going to be doing in the future. such as our Narcissist in Film and TV little series that we're going to end up doing. I've already started with Twilight, and I think the next one we're going to do, I think we've pinpointed, I got a guest to come and do it with me. It will be on Ross Geller from Friends, Narcissist on TV. A very interesting character, not as nice as everyone thinks. But anyway, once again, I want to thank the uh, a brain fart. I want to thank the Countess one last time. She was fantastic. I actually hope to have her on again, maybe not to tell her story, but maybe in one of these narcissists on TV and film uh, type deals. Because uh, we got along swimmingly. We kind of have the same uh, zest for laughing at our own tragedy. And if that is such a thing, I'm just rambling now. So anyway, thank you for listening to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Have a good week. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test.